she said what she said, she meant what she meant. I think it's very important not just to hold people accountable for what they say, but also to see exactly what they mean with when they say it. And so I definitely agree with you. She may have meant it one way, but she also said what she said the way she said it. <laughs> and so there's definitely a way to say something. Now, something to that nature, I probably never would have even allowed that to come off of my tongue um, because of how discriminatory and how disrespectful it is, especially to our own community. Hey y'all, what's up? It's your girl, Nicole. I'm Devon. And we are the hosts of the Relationally Awkward Podcast. We are definitely excited to be back with you all and really just have a good conversation it's not going to be the easiest conversation um i know especially for me uh especially with my family history of losing two relatives to police violence over the years um but yeah it's definitely going to be a hard and difficult conversation how about for you divine yeah i think the same for me as well just seeing everything that's going on it's definitely going to be a few triggers that's going to get me riled up and i think it's going to be a few triggers that's going to get other people riled up as well so yeah this episode two is definitely going to be one of those episodes that is going to come in hard but guess what we got to speak the truth of what's going on so buckle up and get ready yeah it's kind of like one of those conversations that you can't really run from it's like no matter what especially concerning the different topics that we'll talk about it's like you can't run away from the triggers because reality is literally right there in the face. Like, look, I'm here. We've experienced so many different events throughout the past week. And by the time you guys listen to this, it would have now been two weeks um, since uh, riots, lootings, protests have gone on, different killings, and all of that. So uh, we're definitely going to get into those different conversations today. Absolutely. Um, and uh, as far as I'm, I can say is, is, you know, make sure that, you know, if this is something that's like too much for you, you know, definitely step aside, come back, listen to it later on. But at the end of the day, we got to talk about it. So this is it. Yeah, definitely take a moment, you know, go ahead, grab some tea, grab some coffee, grab whatever you need, um, grab you some wine if you need to, you know, because it's definitely going to be a, a, a real conversation that's very needed, especially within our black community. Yes. So let's get into this. So I'm not sure if um, many of you that are listening have seen this, but but there are definitely some videos that have been circulating around on social media, as well as different um, platforms as well, showing how there are police in different states and cities and different neighborhoods that are um, not just beating, but shooting rubber bullets at um, different community members and different protesters. I do remember seeing a post about a woman who was uh, struck by rubber bullets and um, her entire eye was swollen as well as that side of her face. Her um, The top of her nose was injured as well as her forehead just due to one rubber bullet. And that just, that just amazes me um, to see all of what we see as far as police brutality is concerned, because you have people out there that are standing up for what's right, that are standing up for people of color, that are standing up to be heard mm-hmm. and to be considered as human, um, 
yeah, I just find that quite disturbing um, and very interesting, especially since it's something that we have continued to see. But I feel like now it's really uh, being put out there since, what, the 1960s. And we're still fighting for racial equality now. It's definitely disturbing um, and definitely amazing. I think a lot of people try to run from and hide from and ignore racism because they don't always want to see the reality of the way that things are and how not much has changed since back then. But you know what, though? The crazy thing about it is, is like, I'm not too, too surprised about their reaction and about a lot of this going on because, I mean, stuff like this happened when they protested back in the day. You know, there was the tear gas. Um, and, and I think back then it, it might have been even worse. Um reaction to protesters um than it is now um so i'm not too surprised you know um i think what shocks me um or what puzzles me is the fact that you're going after the protesters and not saying that you should be going after anybody but that you're going after you know protesters rather than people who are you know causing destruction of public property and out looting and, and stuff like that. These are people who are out actually protesting, you know, like you said, for injustice and for stuff that they're seeing that's going on, you know, all of the, the wrong that's going on with the pre police brutality and stuff like that. So it, it's, for me, it's confusing how you're going after the protesters, the people who are, you know, in my opinion, doing it the right way versus those who are, causing a lot of the destruction and a lot of the chaos. That's very true. So according to XXL, Trina is catching heat for comments she recently made about protesters in her hometown of Miami. During the Florida Natives, uh, the Trick and Trina Morning Show on Miami's 99 Jams on Monday, Trina referred to protesters in Miami uh, Dade County as animals while discussing the curfew the city mayor uh, Carlos Jimenez is enforcing due to the rioting and looting that has taken place following the recent protest for George Floyd, who died when a police officer kneeled on his neck while being detained. I understand why she's catching heat for this, because, one, she's referring to them as animals. But here's my take on it. I think what she meant, and, and again, this is not necessarily my opinion. This is just me more so analyzing what she's saying. I think what she's saying is, because a lot of the times we always say that, you know, the police don't really treat us as human beings. They treat us as animals. So I think what she's saying in referring to them as animals is, it's like you can't be out here in, pretty much in the streets, you know, causing all of this craziness, causing all of this chaos, and we talked about this before, you know, there's a difference between protesting and rioting. Protesting, there's order with rioting, there's chaos, and there's a lot of disorder. Um, and I think what she's saying is, is that by people going out rioting and looting and causing all of this destruction to public property um, and, and just causing just chaos in general, I think what she's saying is, is like, you are pretty much acting as animals you're acting as the very thing that they're treating you as so it's like when you do go out there why not protest why not do it you know in decency and in order so then that way there's this other image that they see of you not the image that they've always seen us as so i think that that's what she's saying 
So I get where you're coming from, but my personal opinion is she said what she said, she meant what she meant. I think it's very important not just to hold people accountable for what they say, but also to see exactly what they mean with when they say it. And so I definitely agree with you. She may have meant it one way, but she also said what she said the way she said it. <laughs> and so there's definitely a way to say something. Now something to that nature. I probably never would have even allowed that to come off of my tongue uh, because of how discriminatory and how disrespectful it is especially to our own community um but that's just me i also feel like um for her to be on a big platform and for her to not use it wisely um i think that's a big problem when it comes to a lot of leaders when it comes to a lot of people not just people that look like us but when it comes to people that have a voice Mm -hmm. and have a certain opinion when it comes to situations like this and when it comes to what's going on right now and so i feel like um we can always say oh well she meant this but again, she said what she said. And so I feel like there's a, a, a another level of accountability when it comes to that. Um, I do understand current cancel culture uh, where everyone wants to um, say that someone is canceled because of something that they say or that they do. I personally will not comment on um, my, my opinion when, um, as far as whether or not she's canceled. But I will say um, that if we're going to hold her accountable, and responsible to her statement, then we need to hold everyone else responsible that also uh, has negative insight towards what's going on right now or someone that also says something that's very offensive because there are definitely some followers, and I am saying this, there are definitely some followers um, of some high-level celebrities, some high-level leaders, and they have done some terrible things and they have treated people some terrible ways, yet we still play their music. We still applaud them. We still read their books. We still do all these different things. So if we're going to cancel one person, we need to cancel everybody else that has done something similar, that has done something distasteful, and that has done something that's very disrespectful, especially to our culture and who we represent and who we are as a people. And I, I, I definitely understand that. I think it was an issue of wording, in my opinion. I mean... For me, as someone who is a public figure, yes, I definitely feel like you definitely need to watch what it is that you say and how you say it, um, and especially with cancel culture. And I'm not going to even get into it, but I feel like where she was coming from, again, I understand the word that she used and maybe how she used it, but I under- also understand where she was coming from. Here's the thing. So you have to understand that people were out destroying property, um, businesses um some businesses have gone out of business um just because of everything that's been going on and she even uh went to make a statement so according to xxl she stated uh that means tear up our city that means run through and tear up our stores and burn down our stuff and break in our stores and go and tear up bayside marketplace and tear up my friend's shop that has a son and a kid to uh, take care of her family and you go and demolish her stuff or something so here here's my thing and 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 even here uh there was a woman um well not here because i don't live in milwaukee i live in madison but in milwaukee uh, where a lot of the rioting and looting was taking place there was a black owned business that got completely ransacked and completely destroyed and she went to make a statement to say you know why did you destroy my business you know i'm one of you 
you know, and I have a family that I have to take care of, and I started this business with my own money, I didn't do anything, you know, why destroy my stuff? So it's like, from that point of view, I understand what she's saying. Was her wording wrong? How she said it was wrong? Maybe. But at the end of the day, where she was coming from, um, I, I, I stand with her from that aspect, just because of the fact that, you know, you're, you're destroying property. And now a lot of these people where this was their livelihood and this was their way of, you know, taking care of their family, paying their bills, you know, whatever the case may be. Now that's all completely gone. All that hard work that they put into building up their business is gone. All because of this one situation that, in my opinion, could have been handled in a more orderly manner. To say that looting and rioting, which I'm going to say uprisings, because that's a term that we use when it comes to grassroots and organizing. So when it comes to looting and rioting, I can definitely understand how many would see that as being wrong. That, as I've said before, when you put people in specific environments, when you lock people up like they're animals, when you've kept people inside for months and weeks at a time because of a serious virus and because of an outbreak, when you have tons and tons of people that are unemployed, that already live in poverty, that don't have access to all the resources that they need, that don't have everything that they need. Some of them are in abusive households. Some of them are not in healthy environments, but they've had to stay in it for long periods of time. When you eliminate every resource that is close to them and that is needed, especially within their communities for their grandparents, for their mother, for their father, for whomever that they may be living with, especially for themselves, how else do you expect them to react now I'm not saying it's right I'm not saying it's wrong but I am saying that there's a way to express how you feel about it I'm not saying that the way that we express how we feel should be something that we turn on and off especially in certain environments but I am saying that there's a way to say certain justice I think it's been so many times where we've seen repeated cycles happen right Mm -hmm. we always wait to hear a verdict if an officer is ever charged and a lot of what we've seen is like really no justice um actually being prevailed at all and we we've just we really have seen where um our communities have not been taken seriously and um it's really sad but one thing i can definitely say that i'm proud of is the fact that people are using their voices they are walking out in the streets they are making noise um and and letting people know that they're not just going to sit back this time around. Yes, we saw rioting back in the 60s. Yes, we saw rioting when the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was killed and assassinated. Yes, we saw rioting and and saw different protests uh, when Malcolm X was uh, assassinated. Yes, we saw all of these things, but now we have a new generation of people that are also saying we are not going to sit back and watch, but we're going to take action and force into our own hands. It's getting real out here. It's absolutely getting real out here. And here's the thing. People are getting fed up. We're, we're tired. We're exhausted. And we're sick and tired of being sick and tired of seeing the injustice that's going on. Yeah. You know, and at some point, we have to kind of stand up and take action um, to let them know that this cannot continue to happen. You know, um, I don't know anybody who could sit back and see injustice going on or just see any, you know, 
such as we're seeing today, you know, going on and just sit, sit back and say like, oh, this is okay. You know, at some point we have to rise up, let our voices be heard and take action to stop the injustices that's going on. I think one thing that has really surprised me during this time is how many voices are telling people to shut up. Yes. Now to share certain things on social media regarding what's going on in our communities. They're telling us how to respond. They're telling us the do's and don'ts. When we have been shut up and muzzled for years, all the way back to slavery, we've always been told to shut up, not to feel, not to um, stand up for ourselves, not to stand up for our people, not to stand up for someone else, not to stand up for our rights. And not just as citizens, not just as, as Americans, but as people, as Black people, as Black yes. people. And so that's a major problem that I have when I hear leaders, when I even hear some pastors, when I read statuses of people saying, please don't share anything. That pisses me off to my core because I'm like, how dare you tell us not to speak up? How dare you tell us not to protest? How dare you tell us how to react and how to respond after you have caged us up like animals time and time again, after you have treated us like animals time and time again, after you have killed our brothers, killed our sisters, killed our fathers, taken away our fathers, put them in prisons for crimes that many of them did not commit. You have literally tried to take away our voice time and time again, and enough is enough. And you'll be surprised by how many people are sitting back watching that know that things are wrong or that actually follow number 45 and when i say number 45 i'm saying the current american president the president of the united states donald trump which i don't understand how he stayed in for so long for four years and now we have another election coming up and i pray to god that he is not elected again which also involves us going out to vote Absolutely. My my whole thing is like you can't sit here, you can't sit back and see what's going on and then tell us how to feel or or tell us, oh, we, we can't say this or we can't say that. This has been going on for as long as we can remember to our ancestors. And it's like at some point, again, like I said before, something has to be said, like our voices have to be heard. You cannot tell us how to feel when we're, we're seeing all the injustice that's happening to us. It's not happening to you. So that's why it's okay for you to be like, oh, well, you know, th- this is not that, you know, big. It's not that, you know, this or whatever the case may be. Yeah, because it's not happening to you. But wait until it happens to you. And then let's see how you handle the situation. Let's see how, how you stand up. Let's see what your reaction is. So a lot of what you're seeing today is a lot of built up um, anger, a lot of built up you know, um, aggression towards the injustices that we have been seeing and not just in, again, in our lifetime, but though those who even came before but us. But that's a you part know, of it's... the problem, though. People yes. always say, well, it's not me or it's not my son. It's not my father. It's not my right. cousin. So it doesn't concern me. Guess what? Yep. It Until it hits your home. It does, especially if you're black. Especially if you're black or brown. Come on, man. That anytime you see any of our people die. Oh, oh, it matters. Oh, it concerns you. That's your brother. That's your sister, fam. That is your brother. That is your sister. 
it matters and it does concern you. So you just going to sit on the sidelines and watch stuff happen? Nah, now keep in mind, I definitely agree that, uh, you know, different people, everybody can't be at a protest, right? Not everybody can go to a protest, mm-hmm. but guess what? You can stand up in boardrooms. You can stand up in private meetings. You can Absolutely. stand up by checking your white counterparts and your in your, your white friends that always uh, are racist or have something slick to say. You, oh, oh, there are different ways that you can speak up and that you can show up. Absolutely. You know, I because it's it's it's, oh, it's people not just out here who are protesting. Um, it, it was a Facebook post that somebody had up the other day that made me think about it because there, there's people who are in boardrooms who um, who are speaking up, who are saying certain things. Yeah. And, and prior to this, I, I believe the saddest was, you know, there, there are people who, who were in boardrooms who have had to swallow their anger or swallow their rage um, and, and be, quote unquote, uh, civil or professional while uh, seeing all of these things that are happening. And it's like people are saying no more. Enough is enough. And we are standing up. We are making our voices heard. We are taking action. And guess what? If you don't like it, so what? It's not happening to you. So it it, it, it doesn't matter. Don't tell us to shut up. Don't tell us how to feel. Point blank, period. And here, here's the other thing. So this really is a repeated cycle. You know, back in the day when the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was alive, what did he do? He walked out in the streets. He protested. Mm -hmm. He spoke on podiums and stood there and stood up for our rights. You also have Malcolm X, who was also one of my favorites, who stood on stages, spoke in front of podiums and hundreds Mm -hmm. and thousands of people, getting people to be proactive. Yet, this generation, the way that we are responding people are extremely shocked that we are actually going out in the streets, that we are actually speaking up for our rights. Not realizing that this is a repeated cycle and those, of of course, those back then were very strong, definitely very proactive, but this generation now, we are not sitting back, fam, at all. We're not sitting, Mm -hmm. sitting back and watching. We've done enough of that. We want answers. We want people to be charged. And we want justice to prevail. And we're being very proactive before things even happen. So when something does go down, you better believe we're going to tear up whatever we need to to get a response. Listen, and and here's the crazy thing, because I was talking to someone the other day, and I don't think that a lot of people understand that our experiences are very different from everybody else's experience vastly different you know when you know in situations where we're getting stopped by the police that triggers a whole completely different response than say if you are white and you get stopped by the police for you that might be like oh okay this is somebody who is my protector somebody who is coming to you know enforce the law whatever the case may be for us it's a different situation you know for for us it, it, it's a trigger. It, it triggers fear. It triggers anxiety. It triggers all of these different emotions. You know, I was telling somebody um, the other day, I said, like, when I, whenever I get stopped, I literally put, take out my wallet, my proof of registration, my insurance, all that, and I lay it right out on the dashboard with my hands on 10 and 2. Because especially me being a black man in society now, in America now, 
I don't know how the how the situation is gonna go with me being stopped. If I were white, it'd be a whole completely different situation. Yeah, a completely because different they're, situation. they're treated with so, dignity and respect, unlike us that yep, are treated like animals. So I, I think for us, like you said before, we're we're treated like animals. We're not even really seen as human beings. We're we're not even seen as like the 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 same you know people who shed blood and who have the same organs and all that other stuff. We're not treated as that. We're treated as animals. And it's like until they see us differently and they see us as equals, because that's the issue. They don't see us as equals. They see us as something completely different. And as long as that happens, as long as they see us that way, we're always going to be treated the way that we're treated now. And it's going to be a never-ending cycle. It disgusts me and makes me sick when I think of the way that we have been treated after all these years. It really does. It disgusts me. And to think that we have mass incarceration, we have getting stopped at getting stopped by the police. When I think of just walking down the street, depending on where you live and getting stopped, especially in California, when I think of being put further out and placed further out to live so that the inner city and downtown area can look as luxurious as possible to tourists without us being present. Um, It absolutely disgusts me. It really does. Um, To experience and also see us relive things that our parents and grandparents went through. Now, keep in mind, some of those things that happened were very different, but some of these things are the same thing, just a a whole nother cycle, but it may look different, but it's very similar, and some of it is the same. It disgusts me because after all the work we've done, hell, after all the eight, all eight years that I served this country and served these people, to still be treated like an animal and to still see my people die. Innocent people die for using their voices, having peaceful protests in which we're treated like animals. And when you see people riot and you see people loot, you get upset and wonder why they felt the need to be so upset and show out and tear up things, whether it's in their neighborhood or either even the suburbs. And it's not just our people either. A lot of it is white people as well. To see us get blamed for things that we don't do or that it wasn't just us to participate in, that pisses mm-hmm. me off. It is it's just crazy because it's like you would think that, you know, we're in we're in 2020. And we would be so, you know, far more advanced and, you know, far removed from racism and everything like that. And, and we would, you know, this wouldn't be the issue. But I don't think that a lot of people understand that racism has really never been eradicated. It's just been hidden. Because, like, before, it's, it was, you know, people in, you know, white sheets, you know, with two holes, you know, popped out so, you know, <laughs> they can see. And, and they still do exist, right? The KKK, they still do exist. Um, 
but before it was more obvious. You you could see it, you know. Whereas now it's a little bit more I hidden, <laughs> and, and I. Th- and I think that that's what, in, in some cases, is more hidden. And I think that that's the, the issue that we're having because we're not worried about those people in the white sheets. We're worried about that white person that's sitting next to us that we don't know is racist, but they really are. And I don't think that a lot of people understand that racism has never really been eradicated. It's always been there. It's just been a little bit more hidden. I can agree up to a certain extent because I feel like with the leadership that we've had the last four years, or I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't even call that leadership. Well, that's different. But yes. he basically has given people permission <laughs> to be as racist as they want that's to be. True. Now, keep in mind, yes, many of them have been dormant for a while, but many of them have come out of the gates, especially when it comes to attacking different races and right. different ethnicities, especially in this country. Um, the cat has been let out of the bag, and they are here saying, "I am here, and I am here to stay." So I yes. can't say that they've been in hiding. So we'll we'll, I, we'll say we'll say prior. We'll say prior to 2016 then. Because <laughs> when 2016 came and Trump got into office, yeah, they, he, he he definitely let them, them Well, it's uh, been four years now. So they homes. are here and they're saying they're here to stay. It so to say that yeah. they've been in hiding, I definitely disagree with because many of them are saying I support him 100%. Here I am um, and have commented on several statuses on social media, people that we wouldn't even know or think was racist. Or or people we knew, but they were just quiet. Now, keep in mind, there have been several cases of uh, people showing their true co- colors. For example, the white male who racially profiled Black men um, that were in an establishment that they paid monthly rent to and lease out. And they were literally in the gym working out and were stopped by this man. So not only did he call the police, but he got his own personal lease taken away from him. Again, this white male. Um, and uh, now he looks very stupid. There's another case of who I like to call Karen, um, who called the police on a black man in the park because he asked her to put her dog on a leash in an area where her dog had to be leashed in the first place. So not only did she call the police on him, being hysterical, saying that he was trying to attack her and her dog, but she was also hurting her dog in the process of trying to, um, yeah, call the police on him. And she even tried to get close enough to touch him and hurt him. And he had to literally ask her not to touch him while he's recording on this live video. That kind of stuff happens on a regular day-to-day basis we can't even be in a, in our own space and feel safe enough in spaces that we pay for spaces that we just want to walk in and thrive in because of the color of our skin we don't have to have on hoodies nope all we have to do is stand there walk around and be black pretty much that, that that's pretty. so there's several videos out there not just these yeah. two instances that we're talking about but there's so many vi- videos out there featuring karens and their sense of entitlement to ask us you know uh, about you know oh right. do you live here let me see exactly. your keys and what apartment do you live in that's none of your business there there was a video of a father with his son they were swimming in a pool and this lady came along karen with her husband i don't know what we're gonna name him but karen um, and 
she just all of a sudden decided, oh, let me question him. Why why is he in this pool? Mm-hmm. You know, are you a guest here? How, how did you get this key? And the, the man even proceeded to get out of the pool, show her the key, and actually exited out of the pool area and then entered right back into the pool area to show her. When he, he didn't even have to do that? At all. Like, he handled that situation much better. So I applaud them for, for being cool, calm, and collected in a lot of these situations. Um, but the fact that you feel so entitled, I mean, this is privilege, white privilege at its best. That kind of stuff, that kind of stuff literally just pisses me off. Um, yeah, it really pisses me off, especially when I think about people I know that have been racially profiled, that have been attacked during peaceful protests. Mm-hmm peaceful protests I I really don't have the words so there's a tweet that Clint Smith shared on Twitter stating and I quote black people are being disproportionately killed by this pandemic black people are being disproportionately impacted by the economic downturn black people are being disproportionately killed by police black people are being threatened in part Black people are exhausted because we are. I mean, that's the reality of it. We are tired. We're exhausted. Mm-hmm. And hmm, to put the cherry on top, your president decided to write on Twitter, which eventually got deleted. And I quote, these thugs are dishonoring the memory of George Floyd. And I won't let that happen. Just spoke to Governor Tim Walz and told him that the military is with him all the way. Any difficulty and we will assume control, but when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Thank you. That was quoted by your president, number 45. Not mine. Because you're older. Why you gotta be my president? (laughs) Quoted by 45. In the year of 2020. How he got in office, I will never understand. I do believe this is his first real government job. I will never understand. I I don't understand, though, how he can consider us thugs for going out to protest about, you know, the injustice that we're seeing that's going on. Seems like a catch-22 because it's like if if we stay silent and we don't say anything and we just sort of bite our tongue, there's still going to be injustices that's going on and we're still going to be profiled, we're still going to be discriminated against, there's still going to be racism, but then if we actually speak up against ourselves uh, about what's going on, it's still the same situation. So as you guys can tell, majority of this podcast will be focusing on social injustice, um, mainly because we've experienced so much trauma, so many triggers. So by the time you guys hear this, um, this time would have definitely passed, and you never know, we might experience more injustice by that point. For those of you that have heard, and for those of you that haven't, Ahmaud Arbery was shot and killed February 23rd. He was jogging not far from home on the outskirts 
of Brunswick, Georgia, according to New York Times. Then he was confronted by two white men in a pickup truck and fatally shot. After the video footage of Mr. Arbery's killing was leaked in May 2020, two men were arrested and charged with the murder. Widespread protests and 2.23 miles solidarity runs began and were posted on social media with the hashtag I run with Maude. So we can't even run through our neighborhoods anymore and feel safe because we might be shot because we're black. And I, I, I think this situation, and not to say that, you know, one situation made me more angrier than another because in all honesty, it's all injustice um, and it every single last bit of it pisses me off. But this situation was one of those things where it was like, you have someone who was innocent. This wasn't someone who got caught stealing or this wasn't someone who was, you know, resisting arrest, as they say. So just to give a little bit of backstory on this whole issue. So in the neighborhood, there were recent car thefts and break-ins. Pretty much they were already on alert just because of the, the recent car break-ins and thefts and everything like that. But, of course, it had to be somebody who was black. It could have been a white person. It could have been someone from another race. No, it had to be a black person, and it had just happened to have been this black person who happened to be running, minding his own business. So, of course, they take it upon themselves to go out and bring him down, but instead of you know, maybe questioning him or anything like that. No, they decide to shoot him. They literally left their own house to go and follow him just to kill him. He was in plain sight during the daylight. Nothing on him was threatening. He was running down the street. They felt the need to look outside their window and see him. Pack up. Video man. The main. And, and, and the two main men. That decided to go after him. To kill, to kill him. And people don't see that as injustice. Not everyone sees that as injustice. So. My whole thing is, first of all, you were tired. And even if you were an officer that was still employed, you weren't on duty. So why did you take it upon yourself to go? And, and here, here's the thing. Let me just back up because my whole issue is, is still, why did it have to be him? Why did you target him as the person? And again, we, we all know the answer. But out of everybody, it couldn't have been anybody else. It just so happened to mm-hmm. be him on that particular day. No matter how old we get, it. it's it's amazing. Someone could literally go through eight years of law school right now and finish past the bar and still have to deal with this. And it's like that it's it's like watching a soap opera. The same thing is happening. You can mm-hmm. miss a couple of years worth of episodes and you will still know what's going on. Because it's just a continuous cycle. And it's crazy because I tell people all the time, I said, regardless of 
way that I talk, regardless of my demeanor and how I carry myself, and regardless of the education that I have, at the end of the day, that all goes out of the window because of the fact that I'm black. So when I step into an establishment that is predominantly white and they have this sort of race, you know, racist, uh, discriminatory mentality, all that goes out the door. It all goes out of the door simply because of the fact that I'm black. They've literally reduced me down to just that, the color of my skin. So another case that we want to talk about that is um, definitely more recent um, and has been a hot topic for most people um, and that has actually sparked a lot of the protests and a lot of the rioting that's going on is George Floyd. Um, so George Floyd, a 46-year-old African-American man, died on Monday after being handcuffed and pinned to the ground by a white uh, police officer's knee in an incident that was recorded on video and incited large protests in Minneapolis and other cities in the days that followed. The explosive footage recorded by a bystander and shared widely on social media early Tuesday led to community outrage, an FBI civil rights investigation, and the firing and arrest of the officer Derek Chauvin. The Minneapolis Police Department also fired three officers who were with him at the scene. So this this case, it, it was so many things that was just wrong in so many different ways with this whole situation. First of all, well, let, let's back up a little bit because there's been many different um, articles out there. Some that says that he tried to resist um, arrest. Others that says that he did not try to resist. Let me back up a little bit. So because with this case, first of all, there's been many articles and videos to show that he did resist arrest and then some to show that he did not resist arrest. So there's a lot of confusion with that. And then there's also a lot of confusion with why he was even arrested or why he was detained in the first place. Um, but regardless of the situation, this should have never escalated to where it went. He, he, first of all, the, the officer handled the situation poorly. Um, and I had to do a little research myself. So find out that, um, policy is that you can, you know, hold someone down on their back, but your knee is to never be on their head or on their neck. He had three different officers pinning him down, one on his neck, and then they had other pinning him down on his uh, backside and then in other areas. So his circulation was completely cut off. And he, you could hear him in some video saying that I cannot breathe. And you would think that uh, with with him saying that, that maybe they would remove his, you know, re remove his knee. The officer would have removed his knee from his neck or, or something. But I feel like there should have been a better way that this situation could have been handled. Another tragic repeat of a black man saying I can't breathe. Yeah. killed in broad daylight. Witnesses barely have the words to define, to explain how traumatic it was for them. What's so sad is, is that, and again, this I'm going back to sort of like our experience versus other people's experience when it comes to cops, because with white people, when they get stopped or detained or whatever, or arrested, handcuffed, whatever the case may be, 
they never use um, that much force, and they never resort to shooting or anything like that. They they use non deadly weapons to actually, you know, handle them. But when it comes to us, they automatically go to shooting or, or or something else. When it comes to us being murdered and killed, it's um definitely tragic. It's definitely real. Um, me personally, I don't think I've ever seen a video or picture of a white person being pinned down and killed. I've seen pictures surfacing of a white person being in handcuffs on the ground Mm -mm. as in sitting on their butts and an officer literally giving them a water bottle to drink out of and is holding the water bottle for them. I've seen um, a video of nothing but black people lined up against the gate um, on the ground handcuffed while the two people that were with them standing on the sidelines uncuffed. I have seen so many things, and we have movies like Boys in the Hood. We have so many different movies, you know, original gangsters. We have um, so many movies from back in the the day Mm -hmm. talking about this, showing us this, um, but to be able to live and for some of us relive instances, excuse me, instances where we're able to see this happen again. I'm running out of words. I'm running out of tears. I am running out of, I won't say emotions. But I'm, wor- I'm I'm running out of the breath even to explain how triggering this is for me. Um, growing up, all I heard was my uncle was murdered and killed by the police. Or no, I'm sorry, I won't even say that. Mm-mm. I won't even say like which person. Um, growing up, I just remember hearing for years that one of my relatives was murdered and killed due to police brutality and no justice um, happened concerning his death. Um, You know, years down the line later, hearing that someone was murdered not too many blocks far from me um, in an east side area where I used to live. Um, hearing later on that that was another relative that I never met who was young. Um, hearing things now and seeing people lose their lives because of police brutality or just because of any type of injustice for me, I don't think I can ever get numb to seeing or hearing these different things because it constantly triggers something in my bones and in my blood that makes me boil because I'm like here goes another brother or sister dying due to such brutal innocent um or I'm sorry brutal um and just 
stupid, ignorant uh, killing by people who look at us like we're animals or inhuman. I will never understand. And I don't think I'll ever be able to fully put that into words outside of what I just said. Like, enough is enough. Enough is enough. In all honesty, I think that the officers definitely need training. Now, and it's more than just training, but hear hear me out, because it's more than just training, because there's a mentality that is behind this as well, that training, in all honesty, cannot really fix. But there definitely needs to be training on how to handle situations like this. And 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 and, in honesty, if I really think about it and be honest, they've received the training. It's just that the training goes out of the window when it comes to. I don't think there is enough training in the world to stop a racist person (laughs) from being racist unless they choose to. It is. No, because it's a it's a mentality thing. It is a mentality thing, and, and training cannot fix what what has already sort of set in in the mind. Like, I can even think of Sean gotcha. Reed and how he was killed by police, especially on his live video um, that he recorded. To hear that he was a military veteran. So one of my battle buddies that I never met was killed by police on a live video. That's another hard one. Um, yeah, that's that's a really hard one. As a veteran, one thing I can definitely say is oh, yeah, that's to serve in a country and even outside of a country um, for people to live and thrive and live their best lives to come back or to now be a full-time to be a full-time citizen um, in a country that does not honor veterans in the way they should be honored, that does not provide the full benefits that veterans need, um, that does not always provide the help that veterans need um, to try and live and thrive in a society where we constant racism even as a veteran I I can't pull out my old veteran military card I can't pull out my old military card to show an officer that I'm a veteran because it doesn't matter it doesn't matter that I served my country for 8 years it doesn't matter that Sean served his country for years black is black in the eyes of a racist person in the eyes mm-hmm. of white people that of in the eyes of some white people that see us as animals or see us in a negative way. I can't throw my old military card in their faces. For some people, hmm, they may change the way that they handle us. Um, or that I will be handled, especially as a black woman. But for a black man, it doesn't matter. Because our time that we served 
is means nothing. And it meant nothing for Sean in this moment. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know his history. They didn't know his background. They didn't know that he served in the military for a certain number of years. They don't care. They didn't care in this moment. All they saw was a black man driving his car and getting out of his car. That's all they saw. They see black and then that's it. Um, but this actually brings up um, another case that was also in the news uh, with Brianna Taylor. Um, so just to give a little bit, bit of a brief background, um, just to, you know, bring some uh, context to the, the story. Um, Uh-oh, basically, time? two men were believed to have been selling drugs out of a house um, that was actually... Oh, okay. Um, so just to give a little bit of uh, background... Um, to bring some context to the story, um, there were two men who were believed to um, be selling drugs out of a house that was actually far from Brianna Taylor's home. Um, however, a judge had actually signed a warrant over to the officials to search her home. Now, here's the crazy part. The warrant was actually so-called a no-knock warrant. So essentially when they burst through the door, um, shots were fired by Kenneth Walker, who was identified as uh, Miss Taylor's uh, boyfriend. Um, eventually shots were fired and she got hit in sort of the, the crossfire um, and died. Here, here's the thing that upsets me about this whole situation. So... Kenneth Walker, who was the boyfriend, he basically stated that he shot because he was fearful for his life. He thought that someone was breaking through the door, and he began to shoot. Um, now, the officers um, only shot after one was uh, wounded from Mr. Walker, um, him firing. But here's the whole thing. The warrant was a no-knock warrant. So that means that they could have burst through the door without, again, without any notice and without identifying who they were. If somebody is in their home and they see someone or hear someone coming into their home, how do you think that they're going to react? What do you think that their reaction is going to be? Of course they're going to attack because they're in fear for their life of who could be on the other side. Now, say that that wasn't the police and that was someone else who was trying to actually cause them like physical harm or anything like that. Absolutely. I'm sorry, but like this whole situation, I feel like this whole entire situation was sort of set up in a way to to in a lot of ways to bring to 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 harm someone. If we can't even feel safe in our own homes, where else are we going to feel safe? And the sad thing about it is, is that this this was like a young woman who died. You know, she had her in whole entire life, you know, ahead of her. And now she will never really get to experience any of the things that, you know, she may have wanted to experience because of this entire incident. Um, we have a lot of work to do. We really do. We have a lot of work to do. Um, I think, of course, it's still definitely going to take time. Um, it's definitely going to take more than a few people. Um, going out and protesting is going to take more than a few people speaking up in boardrooms. It's going to take more than, if, you know, people crying and whatnot. It's going to take more than that. And so I think everyone oh, yeah. needs to take a look at themselves, 
take a look at their abilities, um, take a look at where they currently live and thrive, and see how they can take some type of responsibility to use their voice to make some type of change happen. However that looks for them. Again, not everybody can go out and protest, but there are people that can check their white friends, Mm -hmm. that can check their white counterparts, that can be in certain spaces, that can go to certain boardrooms, that can have certain events, all of that, and more. It's necessary for us to see any type of change to take place. And voting. Voting is very important. Especially for our black community. We cannot sit back. I I don't care if we don't like anybody that's on there. Vote independent. Vote other. I mean, there are so many different things that you can vote for. So my encouragement is also for people to go out and vote. It's very important. Even if you don't like who's who's on the ballot. There, there are other options. There are independent options. Anyone else outside of, you know, this current president. And I use that word loosely. That's in office. Impeachment didn't work. So let's go ahead and vote during this November election. Please go out and vote. It, it is absolutely necessary. Um, it, it, it's, in all honesty, we need the right leadership in office. Um, and your vote can make that happen. But if you don't vote, guess what? We might end up in, in this situation another four yeah. years. <laughs> We we made it through, and this is not the only time that we're going to take the time to, you know, talk about what's happening in our communities. <laughs> As you can see, we are definitely people that care and love our people, man. We we care about and love our people. We really do. You know, I tell Devon and, you know, a few others all the time in my community, I'm like, I'm about 50% Absolutely. Malcolm X Black Panther. I'm about 25% Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., um, and I also probably have about 25% of a little, little spare kind of me, you know, <laughs> like you, you never know what you're going to get, you know, but one thing I definitely believe in is seeing <laughs> our people thrive, seeing our people live our best lives and, you know, definitely feeling safe and being safe and living as long as possible, you know, um, and I definitely believe in justice. Yes. You know, um, I always say, you know, if, if I was alive back during those times where they really started protesting, that I would be a part of it. And so even now, I support protesters. I support those that are standing up and speaking their mind and letting their voice be heard and those that are also making some noise. We want to take a brief moment to honor a few of the names of the victims that were killed due to police violence. George Floyd, Brianna Taylor, Ahmad Arbery, Tamir Rice, Trayvon Martin, Oscar Grant, Eric Gardner, Philando Castile, Samuel DeBose, Sandra Bland, Walter Scott, Terrence Crutcher, moment of silence.
Thank you. So we want to move into our hard truth segment. Hard truth is really, I mean, whatever we want to share with you guys um, that everybody may have a tough time talking about or that we just want to 100% keep it real with you guys. Um, So Devon, what's your hard truth? So my hard truth is, so I think that a lot of the times when, um, whether it's, you know, a project that we're doing, whether it's a business that we're starting um, or whatever venture or, you know, thing that we're doing, I think that a lot of times we have to ask ourselves, am I not getting ahead or is things not happening the way that I want them to happen because of me? And I think that a lot of the times we have, sort of like a tendency to blame outside factors when a lot of times we really need to do some self-reflection and look within and ask ourselves, am I the one who's standing in my way? Am I putting in enough? Am I, you know, doing enough? Um, Because especially like with business, there's going to be a lot of sacrifices that are going to have to be made when it comes to business to really get to a place where, you're able to support yourself within that business. There's no business that has ever started, has ever started off, you know, making thousands or millions of dollars. You know, it takes time to build up to that sort of status. It takes sacrifice. It takes a lot of hard work, putting in uh, hours, probably even more hours than if you were working like a nine to five. So a lot of the times you have to ask yourself, am I in my own way? Um, even when it comes to uh, going to school, you know, am I putting in enough hours? Am I studying enough? Um, when it comes to your own personal growth, we have to ask ourselves, am I in my own way? Um, because a lot of times it's not outside factors or um, it's a lot of times it's not outside factors that stop us from getting to a certain place. Sometimes it's us. Uh, and if it is you, then you have mm-hmm. to ask yourself, okay, what do I need to do to get out of my own way? You know, am I, cause like for me, I'll admit it. I'm, I'm very stubborn. And so for me, I have to work to get out of my own way and not being so stubborn. Um, and maybe that means trying, you know, new ideas. Maybe it means taking the advice that people have given me before that I just didn't listen to. <laughs> but at the same time, you have to ask yourself those questions because, Eventually, if you're trying to get to a certain place, it may not be that the hindrances or the the stifling feeling that you may have, it may not actually be coming from outside forces, but it may just be coming from you. And so you have to figure out mm. how do I now get out of my own way so that I can get to where it is that I want to be. So my hard truth um, is actually a message to the white community. Um my message in hard truth is don't tell us how to feel. Don't tell us how to process. Don't tell us to shut up. And don't tell us what and what not to post. And I say that wholeheartedly. I love my white people. But in cases like this, you don't have the right to tell us anything. You really don't. You really don't. Um, and I say this with all the love in the world. Because when I think about those who went before me, when I think about our our ancestors, when I think about the elders that are still alive, that have to relive this, that are triggered, that I have to have conversations with, that us in the younger generation have to have conversations with to hear their stories, to hear what they went through, to hear how they felt, 
to hear what they had to go through when they were our age or when they were younger watching this on the TV or when they had to go to work and still experience Mm -hmm. this. You don't have the right to tell us how to do anything. You don't have the right to tell us how to feel at all. And again, keep in mind, I love my white people. I really do. I really do. But in these type of cases, if you're not going to speak up against what's happening, then you should probably be the ones to shut up. In fact, no, I won't even say that you should shut up. But I would really say that you should speak up in the sense of not speaking up against us, but actually coming and partnering with us. Because if you just want to make noise and you're not going to help provide any changes, then why are you opening up your mouth? So that's my hard truth. So we're going to go right into our next segment is about purpose. And we always end every episode with purpose. So my purpose statement for you guys is be intentional with your purpose. Um, I think one thing that we have to realize is, is that when you are trying to walk out your purpose, you cannot do that by happenstance. It can't be accidental. You have to be intentional with purpose, whether you know what your purpose is or whether you are still trying to figure out what your purpose is, you have to, every single day, you have to be intentional. It it cannot be something that just sort of happens as you go. You, it has to be something that's done on purpose. Hence why we talk about purpose here on this podcast. Um, If it is, if you know what your purpose is, then guess what? You know, maybe, you know, you're trying to start a business. Maybe it is you're trying to start a nonprofit organization. You have to be intentional with that. You cannot be sort of lackadaisy with it or you can't procrastinate. Go for it. Just do it and be intentional with everything that you do. Um, A lot of people that you see um, who are CEOs and they're very successful they didn't just wake up one day and say like, oh, okay, I'm just going to just do this or I'm going I'm to start that. No, they were very intentional. They had a plan. They had a strategy. They put together, you know, business plans to help them to sort of guide them through um, starting a business and, you know, the, the funds that they needed in order to grow their business, hiring people, whatever the case may be. They were very intentional with their purpose. And that is what I want to encourage you all to do today is to be intentional. And every single day that you wake up, be intentional with your purpose. You know, we always say live, you know, every day on purpose. Be intentional with your purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that was really good. Um, One thing I would encourage people with concerning purpose um, is to live, live, live. I think in times, especially like right now um, that we've seen and that we're experiencing, it definitely reminds us that we are to live our lives in the best way possible. Living our lives should be enjoyable. Um, It should be peaceful. It should be so many amazing things, and we don't always get to experience that. Um, and so my encouragement is definitely to live, live, live as much as you can. You know, um, you know, we've heard Jill Scott, you know, in her song, Golden, Living Life Like It's Golden. 
um, and all those different things, like it's definitely important that we experience true joy in the littlest things, whether it's through family, whether it's through our children, whether it's through, you know, um, any passions that we have, um, you know, it's, it's important to take every moment possible to live, live, live. Life shouldn't be hard, but it is hard sometimes. Life isn't always as satisfying as we thought it would be. But guess what? Today is a brand new day and the perfect time for us to live our lives very intentionally, um, especially in moments and when we reach moments that we no longer feel safe, especially when we reach moments where things are hard, especially when we reach moments where we don't really have the words to describe exactly how we feel because things in that moment is just so hard and so heavy. So let's go ahead, take our moments, take the time now, starting today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Nope. But start today to really live, live, live your best life. Live your best life like it's golden. Live your life like you have so much more to look forward to because you do we all do we have so much more to look forward to we have to be intentional on living our best lives you can follow us and everything that we're doing right on instagram under relationally awkward or you can follow us right on facebook under relationally awkward as well there you'll find everything keep up to date with all of our posts and our updates and the amazing things that we have that are coming very soon so go ahead and follow us